This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're bringing you two in one. It's a bumper pack, a bumper edition, podcast edition this time, because we've got two matches that we're going to talk about. It's actually probably quite a good thing it's two matches we're going to talk about, because if it's just one match that we're going to talk about, the match on Saturday, we'll be here absolutely grizzling, really unhappy bees in the house. But luckily, the gods put in an extra game midweek against one of the best teams in the league and we didn't do too badly against them even though we lost so I think there's a few smiles around here in the virtual joint as we're going to talk about the matches over the past few days I'm Billy Grant here and I'm sitting here in the VJ the virtual joint with I've got my man Sherlock in the house Sherlock how you doing very well thank you Billy um nothing really to add to the intro a lot happier after last night than I was after the weekend I bet you are. You're smiling away there as well. You know, it's like you've discovered something. Sherlock Holmes, is like, he's discovered. He's covered. Well, you didn't discover a win because we, we haven't had a win for a while, but at least you've discovered uh, the joy of football. We've also got Ali Malali in the place. How are you? Well, considering I've only got one working leg and the other one's in plaster, I'm very well, thank you. Right, what's going on there, actually? You know, you're sort of, sort of hopping around the place, are you? Uh, I, I am and being pushed around, but... Um, I made it to the game last night, which um, really, really cheered me up because I've not been able to get out much. And I'm just going to say now, I'm going to say big up to the accessibility people at Brentford who've basically moved me into the wheelchair area and they've sorted everything home and away from me for the next few weeks. And they've been absolutely brilliant. Can't um, praise them enough. I was really happy last night. Excellent. With smiles on your face as well. And we've got mm-hmm. the Allard in the house. The Allard, how are you? Oh very well. They probably thought you were one of the players, Ali. They probably Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. One of the one of the injured players. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, we did lose we did lose one nil last night. Yes. Uh, so so you know, but but it does give you an idea of how bad Sadie was. <laughs> uh, one nil loss and being knocked out of the cup in some way makes people feel a bit better about life. 
Yeah, indeed, indeed. So listen, we've got loads to talk about on this podcast. Like I said to you, we've had two matches. We played Everton at the weekend, which wasn't great, but you know, still. And then we played Arsenal in the Cup as well. We'll talk about that as well. We've also got characters. Characters are plenty on the podcast. And of course, we've got JB. And with his facts and his funk, he's got plenty of facts and funk. We're going to listen to the fans after the Everton game and the Arsenal game, telling us their thoughts on that as well. We've also got a new little section as well. We've got the Gowler, the Bees Breakdown Posse, who's going to be giving us lots of stats and lots of facts from a statistical point of view as well. We're bringing that back for you because I know a lot of people are calling out for that. And also we've got from Forest because we're playing Forest at the weekend. We've got Adam Wicklow from the Red Side of the Trent podcast. He's going to give us the lowdown on Nottingham Forest. But tell you something, I'm going to ask you around this little joint here, the virtual joint. Has anyone around here ever sort of kind of named something, you know, a possession or a person or a thing or whatever like that, you know, an animal? after a Brentford player or something to do with Brentford at all? I haven't personally, but I do have a friend who's got a cat called Sergi Katos. OK, all right. Very, very good as well. And uh, where's that cat? Is it cat living in Spain at the moment, is it? Uh, no, I believe the cat is living in Leicester. OK, and Leicester. As well. <laughs> and Leicester. That's right, that's right. Um, any, anybody else? I mean, OK, may not be Brentford, but any, anything related, you know, things that have been the, the, the Sherlock? Have you, have you had anything that you decided to name? Uh, I named I named a, I named a cat after my favourite movie. I called him Ferris Mueller. Um, he had many days off. <laughs> I, bet, <laughs> I bet he did as well. The Allard. I don't suppose you've been naming anything after you know paint or or, or stuff like that at all. <laughs> yeah. no? no paint colours. No. Um, no. No. Hex no, codes. Me. No. No. Um, no. Nothing. No. I don't. Have I ever done it? I, you sort of. You know. You you threw this at us about. I don't know. 30 seconds ago. ago. <laughs> and I, and yeah, 30 seconds ago. And I've had technical problems trying to set everything up. So I'm sort of like, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll come back to you with that one. Yeah, okay. And, and, and for myself, no, nothing nothing Brentford related as such, you know, obviously, I mean, I'd, I'd, I had the Beamerbill, but I'm sure lots of people have Beamerbills in their car, like, you know what I'm saying? But my mates... Everyone, when I used to work, they say, "Ah, oh, but it's Billy in the Beamer Bill, like you know." What I'm saying so. I think it's because I used to have a license plate 51BEE as well. So, like you know, so you had the Beamer Bill. But um, what what I would say is that uh, um, oh, oh the Allard. Oh, you've got. Oh. I've, I've just remembered friends of mine. Um, I think I got this right, but their son's called Rowan, and I'm sure it's when Rowan Vine was on played on loan for us. That's oh, the, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just remembered that. Um, uh, which is which is quite brilliant that you would name him after a player that was on loan. <laughs> you sure it's right? Not Didn't Mark Burridge have a greyhound called Hotter in the Last Minute? Yeah, he did. At some point, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's true, actually. I forgot about that. Actually, mm. there's a little syndicate group for that as well. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, so <laughs> it's just quite interesting. So, oh, yeah, so the Allard. So, uh, the, the, like I said to you, Rowan, you sure it's Rowan Vine? It could have been Rowan Alexander, maybe, because that would be more well, likely. Based, well, unlikely because he's he's just gone to university and Ryan Alexander <laughs> played for us in the mid eighties, as I recall. <laughs> okay, but but they may have remembered Rowan Alexander, of course. They could, yes, yes. I do. I've waited for for fifteen years before they used it. <laughs> That's right, because I couldn't remember his name, like you know, what he looked like, you know. Um, for for, for might, me, I, do you know? Do you know? I might have just made that up, and that might have just been an assumption I made many many years ago. Yeah. I will. I'll check the details. Yeah, yes. yeah, and for me, like I said to you, I had the Beamer Bill that, that as well. I mean, I did have a cat, and I actually called the cat Q-Tip. Obviously, a tribe called Quest. 
one of my favorite bands ever as well so q-tip yeah q-tip and jerobi were my two cats as well so that's got to be done i'm sure there's plenty of that kind of things going on i'm sure there's cats out there called kylie as well like you know and fergal like, you know, so uh which is cool but the reason why i say that as well there's a bee out there as well a lot of people know him monty the bee um you know monty the bee don't you of course we all know monty the bee monty the bee yeah Mon- yeah Monty's brilliant. Well, he's one of the South Coast bees. And Monty the bee, he has decided, like, you know, he's as he, as he does, he's gone to decide to drive to Senegal. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so Monty the bee's going to drive. Goes. Yeah, he does. That's, that's, that's what Monty that's, does. That's what Monty does. Yeah, as Monty yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. So he's driven to Senegal and he said, Bill, you know, after the bad news, I've, I've got this car and I'm driving it to Senegal and I've named the car Rico after the recent circumstances. So uh, he's driving to Senegal in his car called Rico. So uh, good luck to, to, to Monty the Bee. Hopefully we'll Has it broken from... down? Yeah. Has it broken down? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I haven't, haven't heard from him for the past couple of days, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that everything is still intact with that car. Or like I said to you, maybe it might have to go into maintenance for a couple of days or maybe for uh, till, till the end of the season anyway, but we shall see. Um, Whatever else is there. Just one other thing that you want to say as well, because obviously it's a, it's a, we're playing Nottingham Forest on Sunday, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But if you're at a loose end on Saturday, we've got a little call. And I thought this actually sounds quite cool. Chiswick Cinema. I didn't even know there's a cinema in Chiswick. Go and check it out wherever it may be. Um, there's a, there's a film showing of uh, Mike Bassett, you know, the movie, the, the, the classic football movie, Mike Bassett, which I've actually never seen. Um, people can't believe it. I've never seen that. And after that, it's going to be a Q&A with Ricky Tomlinson. And I think the people that made the movie as well. And like I said to you, so that might be a nice little Saturday afternoon to sort of chill out. Two o'clock, Chiswick Cinema, you know, Ricky Tomlinson, Q&A afterwards, Mike Bassett. So if you're at a loose end, maybe that might be something worth talking about. I know you lot are big fans of the old uh, Mike Bassett, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Great movie. Great movie. Can't believe you've never seen it. I know. I know. I was waiting. I was waiting for this Q and A to be honest with you to try and yeah. see if that's one. I, 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 I've honestly never seen it either. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know. I've just never really caught up with it. No, no. There you go. But anyway, listen. We shall move on uh, because we've got loads to talk about. Actually, we've got, like I said, a few matches. We're going to go away. We're going to have a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about that Everton game. So Saturday, Everton came down to New Griffin Park. I think it's fair to say that quite a few people, probably including myself, who in last week's podcast, I went for a 3-0 win to the Mighty Mighty Bees. I also went on the Everton podcast and told them we're going to go 3-0. So I've properly embarrassed myself right there anyway. uh, But I think we were all expecting Brentford to get a result from that Everton game. And I think we were a little bit shocked uh, when we when we when we when we when we came out of the stadium afterwards as well. Tell you what, before we talk about that Everton game though as well, because that Everton game has put people on a little bit of a downer. We always have somebody always busy able to pick things up. His stats and his facts and his funk are truly incredible. And he's got a little bit of like, you know, League Cup and Arsenal facts and funk, which may make us feel a little bit better. Let's listen to JB and hear what he's got with his facts and his funk. Jonathan Birchall here again. For the second year running, we've left the League Cup after the third round. This season we've gone out to last year's Premier League runners-up, where our conquerors a year ago were of course Gillingham, who beat us on penalties, and went on to finish in 85th place across the Premier League in EFL. We failed to make it into the fourth round, 
but that's something we've only managed in just four of the 64 seasons the competition has been running. After three home league games of this season, we were unbeaten. But after last Saturday's defeat to Everton, we're now winless in our first four home games. The last time that happened was under owner-chairman-manager Ron Nodes back in 2000, when we similarly had three draws and a defeat. There have been three other occasions in our league history with four winless home starts. The worst was the four straight home defeats in 1925, the season we started wearing red and white striped shirts for the first time. Sean Dyche has the nap hand over us in his six managerial meetings. Whether it's Marilus Dijkhausen, Dean Smith or Thomas Frank in our dugout, he's recorded five wins, two with Everton and three with Burnley. Our only win was the 2-0 at the GTEC in March 2022, as Burnley were heading for relegation. A game which saw a red card for the visitors, Nathan Collins. Corners are often an indication of the flow of a game. We had just one against Everton. At the GTEC, that's only happened once in each of our previous Premier League seasons. In the first season, it was in the 1-0 defeat to Brighton, and last season was in the 1-1 draw with Everton. So there you go, JB, facts and funk and winless starts to the season. And uh, I'll tell you what as well, Sean Dyche, as he said, five wins he's had against us. To me, the thing about it is that we're all really disappointed about that game and how we played. But I think, forget, listen, forget that because this is like, this is just, it's just not, it's not real. It's a Deichism, you know what I'm saying? Because every time we come up against him, he does us like a kipper. He's beaten us five times. We've only beaten him once, you know what I'm saying? And you have to look back to, you know, let's just look back to that time when it took us about 74 years to try and get up to Burnley a couple of years ago, you know, by train, bus, you know, it was cold, wet, horrible, nasty day. And we went up there. They hadn't won a game all season. And we were sitting there, you know, rubbing our hands, thinking, yeah, we're going to get three points away from home. Great away day it's going to be. And they literally wiped the floor of us. Literally, in that first half, they absolutely wiped the floor of us. And it's almost like a little bit kind of what happened against us this time. Again, he's just done it again. And maybe Deitch has just got this kind of book, this one book, and he just pulls it out every time. It's his Brentford book. And he goes, this is how to beat them. And he just opens it up and it's like three pages of writing. And he just deals us up every time. What do you reckon, Elad? Yeah, it does seem like that, doesn't it? I mean, I I was sort of thinking that we, I I I, I thought didn't we beat did we not beat them? At, oh, did they? We beat them once. We beat us. Yeah, we, exactly. We've yeah, us I mean, I, I heard it. Yeah, and yeah. I was thinking it's not that bad, but it is that bad, I guess. Um, because I know that JV doesn't just make it all up, even though sometimes I think he does. But <laughs> um, it. It, yeah, he seems to have something on us, and um, and like yourself, I bravely predicted that we would win two 0 um, I did think Beto might have been a bit of a handful, and um, and I think he's the player that will sort of, albeit that he's, he's he's maybe not a great finisher, but he's the player that I think is just going to make things work for Dice. He didn't have one of those. Only really had Calvert Lewin, who's injured most of the time, and I think that's the difference. Um, I just think that he needs a focal point at the top of the pitch and I think we got a bit taken by surprise as to how often Everton actually wanted to attack rather than wanted to spend 90 minutes defending and rolling about and um, and time wasting which they actually didn't do um, yeah I, even though even when they were leading they didn't really do it did they it was kind of like it was un-Everton yeah it was it was un-Everton I mean Ellie I mean I know you were particularly disappointed after that game um, I mean just talk to me about it 
Well, I mean, it was one of those things. I think beforehand, I had that feeling sort of like, yeah, Everton haven't won all the season. They've only scored one goal. It would be the very Brentford for us to get, hand them their first win of the season. But it, having said that, I didn't think we were going to be so monumentally bloody awful. I mean, that's the worst home game, certainly I've seen at the GTEC. Um, the worst game in a long time, possibly Burnley away a few seasons ago. I think it's worse than Villa away last season because although Villa were out of sight within 10 minutes, we did at least come back and sort of like start playing a bit. We never got going apart from five minutes after we scored and we thought, oh, here we go. We're going to get into it. You know, we're going to start playing now. And then we came out second half and we were monumentally awful again. We couldn't pass the ball. We kept putting it into touch. <coughs> we couldn't defend. I mean, there was, there was nothing apart from Jensen's goal, nothing good about, you could say about that game. Nobody had a good game. Everybody, pretty much everybody on the pitch had poor games. Some couple of players had absolute, absolute shockers. Um, and, you know, you can deal with it if it's one or two, but when all 11 of them at once, it, you know, I don't know, what, what do you do? I mean, you know, fair play. I think part of it is Everton didn't let us do what we wanted to do. They came with a game plan. It was very different, like Matt um, said, from what we were expecting. We didn't deal with it well. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't mind if you go down and you've played well, but, God, we were we were just really, really poor. Sherlock? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Ali's kind of said it all, really. Um, it was... It was... It was the manner of, of how we lost. It was it was just I was we completely gave up midfield. I mean, I don't like digging out individual players, but I thought Norgard was completely anonymous and you don't want that from your captain at all. Um I thought it, it seemed like the newer players like a lot of people like to sort of dig out the newer players, Collins, Flecken, but Ethan Pinnock's played 140 odd games for us, and I, I expect him to kind of sort of stand up and lift things. Faded completely. Beto bullied him quite quite a lot. We seemed completely um, unprepared for Sharda getting injured in the warm up, which was a little bit worrying. And we seemed completely unprepared that they bring in James Garner because he just seemed to sort of boss the whole middle of the of the field. Um, it was yeah, it was really disappointing and. I'd have it up there with Burnley away or Southampton away two seasons ago. That's probably the worst I've seen. Yeah, and, and interestingly, we, we talk about that, just looking and we can, who scored.com, which is the first time we're going to come back to that in uh, this season as well, which we look to to just see who they're giving the props to as well. And their top five players, Tarkowski, Garner, Decore, McNeil, and Onana, okay, they're all the top five players, all Everton players who've got the top points. Okay, Brentford weren't in there, they didn't get a shout at all, like you know. So, uh, just and, and interestingly, just looking at this match as well, you know, what was going down, Everton. Let's just see what they did. They created a high number of chances relative to their possession. They were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from through balls. They were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces. And they were strong at finishing. They had no significant weaknesses. Interestingly, they attacked 
down their left side, which is uh, basically, you know, going down, like I said, down our right side as well. Um, Mads Rosliff side, they tapped through the middle and they had a high shot frequency when they were in possession. For us, we stole the ball from them a lot and we created goal scoring opportunities through individual skill, which we were good at. We also effectively created goal scoring opportunities from set pieces, but we were caught offside lows and we committed a high number of individual errors and we know about that as well. So it, it just goes to show you the difference in their game. Everton were on it big time they're on it whether or not they'll be able to do that every single week we don't know but that was kind of that was frustrating now the the, the question I'm going to ask is because I did the post-match podcast and we're going to listen to fans in a little bit to hear what they said about that but there was a lot of fear and worry after that game people were talking about relegation there were even people who booed inside the stadium which a lot of people said listen that's a no-no other people said I pay my money I could do what I want to do you think that it was not unnecessary but do you think that we kind of there was at the stage where people were, they kind of went a little bit early on the, on, 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 on not the disrespect, but you know, on, on persecuting Brentford for what they'd been going through and having a couple of bad results and maybe only having one win this season. Or do you think it's totally justified? Yeah, lad. I, I, I think the reaction is as much to do with the injuries as it is with that performance. I think um, in terms of people getting panicky and worrying, um, because I, you know, Sharda getting injured just before kickoff, Rico's injury last week, uh, to one key player, one absolutely key player, and a second that we thought would probably be a key player. I, I, I think that's what the reaction is about. I don't think it was solely about the Everton game. Um, I think it was that, you know, I, I think if the injuries don't happen and we play shit against Everton, everyone goes, oh well, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get this out of our system on against Arsenal or against Forest or whatever. But I think the problem is, is that people are starting to actually look at who's still fit and available and then go, right, how do we fit them into a team and how strong is that team and then how strong is the bench? And I think that's where most of the worry is coming from. Yeah. And, and talk about Sharda as well. And he's got an adductor injury. Uh, he's going to have surgery on it. So he's going to be out for months, said Thomas Frank. Uh, I mean, he obviously hasn't given the amount of months. You don't know. So... Is this going to be, I mean, I don't know anything about adductor injuries. Is it going to be three months, two months? Are we talk about six months. Does anyone know? Uh, I've got an idea of it's what that six, may be. It can be six, six weeks to three months. Okay. So he should be, it, it, when, he's, when we say months, we probably say, I would, I would think we may see him after Christmas. So he's going to be so back, with our, well, back with Antonio, yeah. yeah? Well, who knows? Who knows? Well, hopefully, yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, 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 um, so talking about, I mean, again, Sherlock, were you, were you, I don't know, how, how are you feeling after that game? Because obviously, like I said to you, a lot of people were really despondent, but, you know, for me, I just, like I said, I just come back from holiday, so I was just happy to be there, to be honest with you. So I was still probably beaming and smiling after the match, but there's a lot of people that were like, you know, really quite not happy at all. Were you one of them? No, um, I mean, obviously I wasn't happy. That's ridiculous to say I wasn't not happy. I was, I was pissed off by the result, but um, I'm not running around saying that we're going to get relegated or the sky is falling or any of that sort of jazz. I know Everton have been on a really poor run of form and I know there are a lot of people's favourites to go down, but it's a cliche for a reason. Anybody can beat anybody in the Premier League and we had a bad day and the planning was disrupted, like I've already said, and it, it's a, a shocking result, shocking game, but I'm still very much the glass half full, three quarters full. Like it's, we've got more than enough quality to not get into trouble we just need um you know to sort of stop any kind of rot 
that might start from that Everton game, and I don't think it has. But no, no, fingers crossed. But listen, listen, we've had a chat about it. Let's go to the fans on the terraces to hear what they had to say after the Everton game, and then after that. They're going to talk about the Arsenal game because the Arsenal game was very different. Yes, we did still lose that game. However, the performance was very different. So listen to the fans after the Everton game and also after the Arsenal match. That's the worst game I've seen at the GTEC. I thought our performance was awful. We couldn't string two balls together. Every second ball fell to them. They wanted it more than we did. We were, We just looked so haphazard all over the pitch. There were some really poor performances as well. I don't want to name players, so I won't. Uh, but there were some like long balls that would normally go to one of our players on a wing that just went out. It was just like really, really bad performance. Uh, it's difficult to, to sum it up. I mean, we were just poor. I felt that we lacked ideas. Um, we certainly gave away, you know, three easy goals to them. We've got, they were a big team. We've got, we've got six foot five defenders in the box. We should be able to clear those headers. I have to say that was a very worrying performance. We need to buck up our, our ideas because otherwise we could be in some trouble. We have a very bad habit of losing to teams that we should be beating. Teams like Brentford. Teams like Everton, right? We should be beating them. We play really well against bigger teams and we just don't do anything about the smaller teams. And yeah, I said it, Everton are a smaller team. And what? Everton are a smaller team. Okay, you must go and go and have another glass of whiskey or whatever you're drinking. Uh, I think it's probably the, one of the worst home forms I've seen since we're in the Premier League. Missing Rico really, really badly. Can't really think of anyone who had a decent game today. So it's just one of those days, but we got to pick up and regroup because uh, that was quite worrying. 3-1 does us a favour. We weren't even in the game at all. Down the left side just shows what a miss Rico is. Rico and Sade, how they blend together. And we've got Hickey and KLP sharing the same blade of grass. Wissa had absolutely no... People are going to be knocking Wissa for his performance today. He had absolutely no feed at all. He could do nothing. Collins, wow. I've got no words for Collins' performance today. He was pinging passes that were going nowhere. He was caught on his back foot for the third goal, I think it was. Uh, he was losing the ball in possession. It, wow, £30 million or whatever we paid for him. As I said, my daughter, she needs to sort her shit out. The team needs to sort their shit out. Collins, don't like him. No, I just don't think that he performs. Watched him in a couple of matches and I don't rate the guy. With the form they've been in, you know, the last sort of two years, um, well, but you wouldn't have expected that, that form from today's performance. I thought Anana, Gay, and who was the other third central midfield player? Decore, you know, those three in there. I mean, on paper, that looks good, but today it really did deliver. I thought they dominated the middle of the park. Brentford without Henry at left back. I mean, everybody was kind of, it almost was sort of willed into happening that everybody was feeling really negative at the fact that he wasn't there today. And I think it kind of showed on the pitch, the defensive unit just seemed a bit stuttery. Pinnock was playing some poor passes. Collins made numerous mistakes. Um, so I don't know if, if that just sort of unsettled the composure of the back line. It's just a blip. Oh, just a bit. I think what we were like last season, 
Can't all be good. I'm saying we're just going to have a whip round. <laughs> I'm asking people just to you know, give generously so we can send you back on holiday because, you know, when you was away, we was doing quite well. <laughs> Cheers. You know, Cheers. You know, no, no, you're not joking at all. So it was a really, really excellent second half performance, I thought, in the end. You know, when we saw the teams and when we saw it was Arsenal, well, we feared the worst after after sort of Saturday when we, had, we, we, we spluttered and we really didn't, we didn't really do ourselves justice. And then, but we did tonight. You know, we, we gave away, Zanka gave away a really, really poor back pass. Um, Fleckham really didn't get a chance. Uh, so a goal down really early on. But we, we, we got through to half time. Uh, we had a decent couple of chances. Uh, they, could have, they could have increased the lead. But the second half, I thought we were excellent. We really deserved at least one goal. Um, and, you know, in, in the end, you know, when all the substitutes come in on the end, we, you know, it was like, you know, literally the Battle of the Alamo. We literally chucked everything at them. Um, and Ramsdale, who is a ship to have a raya, he, he got lucky. Uh, we one come off the post. Um, well, yeah, we deserve, we deserve to take that to, to penalties, I think. I think second half, we were absolutely superb, to be honest. Um, scared the shit out of Arsenal. Um, you think about how many blocks they've had to make on the line, at least four or five sort of blocks that would have been goals otherwise. Um, you've got the lad, the number 15, who should have been given a yellow at least for the, the shove into the hoardings. You know, he's made a great block. I, I couldn't be prouder. I came into this game thinking we'd, we'd get uh, get our ass handed to us. But second half, first half wasn't great, but second half we were back playing fearless football again, giving it a right good go. And, and do you know what? If Brentford fans see, see the team giving it a right good go, they've got no problem with that at all. Thomas needs to just have a rethink of strategy with the players available. Forget the ones that are injured, look at the players we have, and maybe a rethink in strategy on how uh, we're placing them in positions and all that. First half was really bad, but second half we did come back a little bit, yeah, you know, with, these, with the substitutes, but still there were moments that were reflective of what happened at Everton on Saturday. It was all Brentford second half, um, just under pressure. I mean, watching the ball hit them. But hit the post. Just, it just I thought one of them was going in, and I, I was sure that was it. If one had gone in, we lost that game. It was work. But it was uh, first half one was ours. Second half was definitely the bees, and I don't think it was a fair result to be honest. I think maybe a two-one bees. Then that's it. I think neither team really got into the groove in the first half, um, but you could notice about five minutes into the second half when that stadium woke up. Um, and when Brentford really got into gear and the crowd was singing and you were putting real pressure on us and for a lot of it, I mean, we couldn't really deal with it. We got away with it. I mean, the ball hit the post, the ball hit the bar. We had a sliding goal line clearance. Um, it's just one of those where, yeah, I'm not bouncing with joy because we definitely can do better, especially with the, the talent which we had on the pitch and even then, towards the end, having to bring on big guns, bringing on Odegaard, bringing on Jesus, bringing on Zinchenko and still not really having too much else to show for it so we'll take a win but it's not um no not over the moon much improved uh, i was very excited when flecking came up for a corner i was for the for the um, towards the end i was hoping he was going to get one over just to laugh at ramsdale even further who is arsenal's number two so there you go, fans, after the Everton game. Listen, they've given us the full lowdown. We don't need to go into that anymore. We know we were poor. Um, but then the Arsenal game. We played Arsenal in the League Cup on the Wednesday. Wednesday night? 
as well it was uh actually quite lively i was it was surprisingly lively actually in the new griffin park as well i was actually quite surprised about that i was quite pleased about that because i you know normally when we've had the cup games we've normally had you know we played teams from the lower leagues as well and not disrespecting them but it's almost been a little bit sort of kind of difficult to get the atmosphere up going you've got a lot of people transient people who don't necessarily come all the time to the game so you've got a lot of shifting different people in different seats so the atmosphere hasn't necessarily been the same for when we played Gillingham or Forest Green Rovers whoever it was never may be so that's our sort of experience of having cup games or league cup games at Brentford all of a sudden Arsenal come down and it was lively because we were, we, we were up for it, especially it backs up against the wall, old school Brentford. We'd lost a couple of matches, Arsenal had come down. We felt that we wanted to get one up on them. And uh, the fans were, like I said, I thought they were in good voice. The team was eventually in, uh, was actually in good spirits and actually started to play some decent football. And it actually was, if you look back on it, actually a really good game. Um, did you enjoy that, Ali? I certainly enjoyed the second half. Yeah, I mean, I was I was like you were at the Everton game. I was just happy to be there, really, more than anything else, um, having not been able to be, be to the previous two games. But it, yeah, I I did really enjoy it. I thought we started slowly. Um, unfortunate, shall we say, defending for their goal, and you just thought, oh, not again. Um, that is really something we need to address. We are giving away a lot of goals. We are giving teams easy goals, and we need to stop that happening. But I think once we got going in the second half, I, I, we, I think we, we created so many chances. I think we were incredibly unlucky not to score. Um, were Ramsdale just tipping that one onto the post? I honestly thought Goddard was about to score with his first touch of the ball. Um, I think, you know, the substitutions were good. Um, I think we attacked them. I think we really gave the front. And I think it would, you know, I think we were really unlucky not to at least have taken that to penalties. And... Um, yeah, I, it was it was really enjoyable. I thought the crowd were really good. And actually, I have to say, having gone normally sitting in the back, the stand near the back of the West Stand, and you don't really appreciate it when you're further to the front, the wall of noise that comes off that stand, you go, "Whoa!" I've never really appreciated the sound. So even further down on the pitch, the players when the West Stand gets going, it, it's it must be quite something. So yeah, I think you know, obviously disappointed with the result, but um, I have to say, you know, given the number of injuries we've got. Uh, and much as I would love for us to have a big cup run, I don't think going out of the cup with a good performance to Arsenal is really the end of the world. I think the performance was what mattered. Uh, just need to cut out the defensive errors and actually start putting the ball in the back of the net a bit more. And I, the one thing I would say is I just love the fact that Jensen has gone from being 75% of our fan base's most hated player to like, hero material he comes on and everybody goes wild they start singing the song and it's sort of like I, I just love that i just thought that was a brilliant moment yeah lads yeah i feel the same about jensen um yeah for sometimes i feel like i've been over the many many years yes. I feel like <laughs> brick walls yeah. Yeah. people about jensen yeah. um and what, and what what he brings to the side you know so yeah i agree on that i think i think what's different between the Arsenal and the Everton game, and I think there's two ways of looking at it. You can talk about players individually and stuff like that. You can also talk about systems because we went with what people, some people consider as a defensive system of playing. They call it five at the back. I call it three at the back, three, five, two. And, and what happened in the Everton game was in the four, three, three. If you go back and look at the midfield in that game, if you think of the midfield as playing like a V, so the base of the V is Norgard, and then you've got Janel and Jensen or Njeka at the top of the V. Yep. If you go... Go back and look at the Everton game, and that V is very, very deep. It's a very long V. 
because Norgard, because there's only two centre backs and they're playing Decorey and Beth and um, Beto, um, Norgard is having to drop back right in front of the of the two centre backs because of the way Everton were just pinging balls up there. Yeah. If you if you go and look at last night's game, it's a very shallow V. Norgard worked almost in a line with Onyeka and Yanel, and there were times where Norgard was ahead of them, which never happened in the Everton game. And that was because there were three centre-backs. So that means Norgard isn't, doesn't have to be as protective of the centre-backs. He, he can be more offensive. Um, so I think that made a big difference last yeah. night. I think that, and, and that's about systems and getting the system right. I don't think we had the right system against Everton because we went to press them and they just kicked it over us. Um, yeah. Last night, I think Arsenal don't do that so much. They want to play more, so so getting up to press them made more sense, and you could really see it in the second half when we did really start to ruffle them a bit. Um, so yeah, the, the, the two good things: the players definitely turned up in terms of they all seem to have better games, and the system was better as well. I thought. I mean that you know that strikingly for me, that's that, that's what came out of the game. Again, and do you think part of that is also due to the opposition that you're playing? Because, you know, it's almost like we're, not say we're set up better to play against Arsenal, but, you know, we, not to say he's even studied them, because obviously we've, you know, we've done pretty well against Arsenal over the past, you know, few years that we've actually been in this league. But do you think we're almost like better match to play something like Arsenal rather than a Deitch type team, where Deitch thinks, listen, I know how to get this team, how to ruffle their feathers. This is all we need to do. Bang, 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 bish, bosh, and we can't really cope with it? I, I, I think against Everton, we went 4-3-3 because we wanted to control the game, but actually we didn't control the game. And when you control the game, it's about literally being able to play short passes to each other. And for some reason, we went 4-3-3, but still sort of went long and we still pressed high rather than we controlled the game. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I thought we probably should have gone to a back three against Everton much quicker than we did. Um, and I think that would have freed things up a little bit. The the main problem at the moment with the back three is when you don't have Rico as a wing back. I think the, I, I honestly think the wing, wing back's a bit pedestrian. And, 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 and again, and the Sherlock, how how much are we missing Rico? Do you think? I mean, we've seen it over two games. Obviously, we played relatively well in the Arsenal game in the second half, but still, how much are we missing him? And is there still work to do? Um, we're missing him quite a lot. He's very important, and you, Hickey is is Amber ambidextrous with feet. I'm not sure that's a word. Ambifutstrous. Um, <laughs> Hickey can play on the left and Hickey can push forward like, like Rico does, but he just doesn't have as much experience and as much sort of mouse as Rico's got. Like, because Rico has age on his side. We don't, I don't think we've changed the system that much. Like, like Matt was saying about, about getting systems right. I think we've just switched Hickey over to where Rico was and we brought Roslev in. We only we don't push them both forward. One tends to go forward and the other one will sit back. So the system is there, but Hickey just has got a bit of a steep learning curve um, over the next season. It's interesting you say he's got a steep learning curve. I mean, there's there's been, <laughs> there's all sorts of you know rumours flying around that people want to bid fifty million in all sorts of stuff. So you know, uh, some some people obviously think that that maybe he can learn very quickly. Don't you think, the Allard? Um, yeah, I mean, he is learning quickly. I think I think the main difference between him and Rico is that Rico goes wide and, and will go down the wing and he's very left-footed. What Hickey did last night really well is um, he, he because he's ambifutrous or whatever that word is, <laughs> there is a word, 
and I tried to remember what it was last week. But I, can't, I, I looked it up and I've forgotten again. Um, because he's because he got two good feet, he will actually come more inside. And you saw that little run he did in the first half, I think it was, where, where he beat quite a few players and it was, and he was going from you know, foot to foot and stuff like that. And, that. and that's where they're kind of different. He's not as quick as Rico either, obviously. No. Ali? I, I just want to say, yes, obviously, we miss Rico. You don't take a player of Rico's class out of our team and say you don't miss him. But I have to say, I thought Hickey in the second half last night was absolutely outstanding. I thought he was, I thought he was man of the match for me. So, yes, we do miss Rico. But if Hickey keeps dropping performances like he did in the second half last night, we won't miss him as much. No. And also, it's interesting as well, you heard the Arsenal fans talking after the game as well and they took it they, they turned around and they said mate you know we got away with it i think one of them said um that was a pretty uh he didn't say awful but he said that was a pretty tough watch he goes you know in the second half you know because they knew that we came at them they knew that we should have scored we didn't score you know and sometimes that's just what happens but uh you know they turned around and said that you know to be quite it should have been 2-1 to brentford but it wasn't 2-1 to brentford because we didn't score the goals but for me that is a positive thing um, because, yeah, there is always a little bit of a fear. There's a little bit of a fear when you look at, you know, maybe how results have gone, even though I don't get really fretty about results as such, because I look at the performances, you know, and I think that we overall we performed actually really well. We've had, a, you know, we had one, one really stinky game, but I don't think, you know, one stinky game makes a season. You can you can go to any other team in the, seat, uh, in, in the league and they can turn around and say to you, they've had one, two, three, four, five stinky games. So I'm not too worried about that. But I think it's probably the combination between having a stinky game, having players that are out, looking at players that are coming back, looking at players that they may have stepped in who don't quite step up to the mark at the time. So there's all those little combinations that makes you a little bit nervous. But then you go and play Arsenal and you play them off the park in the second half and you sort of think, actually, things aren't too, aren't too bad, isn't it, Ali? Uh, no, I think actually things are, are not too bad. I think it's going to be harder, certainly until January, than we thought it was going to be but I, I, I think I think we'll be alright I think there's enough there I think we saw enough last night to to make us feel a bit more positive about things I'm just going to say I found out what the word is for a person who can use their left foot or right foot equally well and it's ambipedal 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 oh, ambipedal. oh mm-hmm. so it sounds like Andy, Andy Beadle it sounds like you know what I'm saying hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> oh, Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> I've never heard of him. You know. But anyway, listen. So, um, so what, we've talked about this uh, a lot, but... What we need to do is that we need to just nail it down. We've got the man who's been analysing the games. We've got the Gowler. He's actually going to give us some statistical breakdown, not only of the Everton game, but he's looking forward to the weekend and he's going to give us a little look at Nottingham Forest. 
All right, this is Jacob Galler with Bees Breakdown. Just going to do a quick Everton review and then a little bit of a look ahead to Nottingham Forest at the weekend. So going back to that Everton match, I think that's definitely one that Brentford fans are, are going to want to forget. Thomas Frank had to make some of those tactical adjustments without Rico Henry and without Kevin Shada going down to going down in warm-ups. Uh, so Hickey stayed a, a lot further back than we've seen Rico kind of get forward um, and, and be that focal point of, of Brentford's attack in the past. And instead of that, we saw Yanelt move into that advanced position in that, that left half space. Uh, which really it didn't provide too much going forward and it just allowed Everton to counter very easily and gave Norgard and Jensen a, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, and you know Everton only held 43% possession. They created 1.9 XG. That was off of 18 shots and six of those were on target. Um, but Brentford only created 1.03 XG and the majority of this was from set plays. What really gave Brentford trouble, I thought, was just the the mid block that Everton set up in and whenever Brentford you know got to the halfway line they were just being pressured immediately and Brentford have to recycle possession that kind of caused Brentford to start relying on on Collins and Pinnock just to launch it forward and, and kind of try to find those long diagonals which really weren't working in the second half what happened was Thomas Frank kind of switched to that 3-5-2 uh, but then Everton switched it up and, and started to press uh, whenever those wide center backs were receiving the ball. And we we saw Brentford give up a goal that way, actually, with Collins taking one too many touches. Uh, Brentford also tried to you know implement their high press you know on Everton throw-ins or back passes, which just really forced Everton into sending it long. But that's what, what gave Brentford the most trouble because Everton was winning 62.2% of aerial duels. So them using Beto just as a target for flick-ons and behind while he kind of pulled Collins out of position and just opened up that space for, for them to get those one-on-one situations against Flecken, which he, he didn't do so well in. All right, so moving on to Nottingham Forest, just kind of looking at a little preview of, of what we might see um, and, and kind of their play style. So right now, Forest sit 12th in the Premier League. They're right above Brentford at, at, at 13. They've created 6.3 XG this season, which is 17th in the league. Uh, but part of that is probably due to them playing four of the big six clubs so far this season. So they've they've really had some difficult fixtures so far. Uh, they've created very few shots and shots on target. You know, that's going to be expected with, with their uh, fixtures. But uh, they also have the worst short and medium passing percentages, so they just aren't creating that much going forward and not able to string much together. Uh, similar to Brentford, what they're doing is just relying on playing those direct long balls uh, combined with taking advantage of set plays. Obviously, we know that they love those long throw-ins as well, and, and they'll, they'll do those even more often than Brentford will. Uh, one, that you know could be one issue for Brentford is is that Nottingham Forest actually have won the most aerial duels in the Premier League, and they have the fourth best aerial duel win percentage. Uh, so that's something to kind of look out for, and and just making sure that Brentford does a better job than they did against Everton with that. Another thing is is that Forest have the highest passes per defensive action. It's BPDA, which basically just means that they rarely implement a high press, and that you know they're going to sit a lot deeper out of possession. Uh, because of this, Forest actually have the most tackles in their own defensive third, and they have the third most interceptions and clearances in the league. 
So one player to, to look out for is, unsurprisingly, Morgan Skibbs White. He's the creative playmaker. He's leading Forrest with the most expected assist, shot creating actions, key passes, passes into the penalty area, you name it. Uh, so definitely look for him to be pulling the strings. I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see what plan they have for him. I'm wondering if Thomas Frank might go back to that man marking system that we've seen in the past just to prevent him you know, from getting on the ball and, and prevent those progressive passes. There you go, the Gowler, the Bees Breakdown. So check him out, Bees Breakdown on Twitter as well, and you'll just catch him every single week on the Bees Sorted podcast. New little feature for you, you know, because a lot of people are saying, listen, we want the stats back. We want the stats back. So we've got it there for you. But listen, um, listen, Nottingham Forest, we're playing them on Sunday. Um, we've, we've heard the statistical side, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's go over to a Forest fan, Adam Wicklow from the red side of the Trent. He's going to give us the lowdown on Forest. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Nottingham Forest. Hello, we're sort of Brentford. This is Adam Wicklow from Red Side of the Trent, at Red Side Trent on Twitter if you're interested. We just had Billy Grant from the lovely Besotted on our podcast to give us an insight into your football club and your starts of the season and a few other bits and bobs. Ivan Tony, Rico Henry, David Raya. Lots of things covered on there, and even a story about Billy Grant stepping on David Beckham's toes. I mean, that was a, a lovely insight to get about Mr. Billy Grant over there at Besotted. Forrest coming to this season on the back of a first Premier League season in 23 years. Last season was all about survival and maybe overshadowed by the fact that we signed 30 players, but we kind of made that a self deprecating thing by the end of it and kind of gave a two fingers up to the rest of the league and the media and and as such and towards the end of the season we finally got a system in place that got us results beating the likes of Brighton, Southampton and Arsenal and getting good results against Chelsea and Crystal Palace uh, in our bid to survive last season so I mean marks out of 10 you'd probably have to give it an 8 purely because of the job that Steve Cooper did with so many players. I mean, yes, you can say, oh, Forrest chucked loads of loads of money at it. But the thing is, we had to because of all the loan signings we made. I think this is something where I actually quite admire Brentford over the years since they, since I first saw them come up into the Championship. They've always bought players. They've very, very reluctantly lo- like ever loaned anyone. And I think that's a good strategy to go. And I think that's the way we're going to try and go uh, in the future, so there's no other manager that's going to have to come into a squad, uh, have a squad where he's got 30 new faces to integrate. Yes, not all have been played, but you, you get the picture. I mean, you could say Chelsea, Pochettino's doing that at Chelsea, but not on the scale that we had to do it. Where at least Chelsea are an established Premier League side, whereas Forest, like I say, we were in the wilderness of of the Championship for 23 years, uh, or outside the Premier League for 23 years. We did have a stint in League One, obviously. So. Yeah, uh, this season has been uh, tough, I I would say. I mean, you look at our away games, we've had Arsenal, Man United, uh, Chelsea and City. And then at home, only Sheffield United and Burnley. I mean, games you kind of want to get out of the way and games you kind of don't want because you don't want to play those promoted sides immediately. I mean, Arsenal found that out with Brentford when they first went up and 
and got beat 2-0, I believe it was, at Griffin Park before you moved into the new Griffin Park or the GTEC. I, I mean, I think you prefer the new Griffin Park than the GTEC, personally. But, yeah, so it's been a tough start. I think if you said to Forest fans you'll get seven points out of those first six games, they'd have snapped your hand off for it. And performances have been largely improved, especially away from home, where at all those teams we got beat heavily really 5-0 at Arsenal 3-0 at Man United 6-0 at City Chelsea we actually drew we actually improved on that result this season by beating them 1-0 but I think a lot of teams are going to go to the bridge and, and beat them to be honest and probably vice versa they are a team that is so dysfunctional in my honest opinion they just look so out of it but yeah so happy overall that it's going it's going well we've we've recruited well and and hopefully we'll progress nicely Cooper, he's he's been brilliant. I think it's it's a case of will he progress with us or will we progress without him? That's that's going to be the case. I think this season he's been backed yet again by the by the board uh, with with signings and with money. Yes, we saw Brennan Johnson, but then we've improved everywhere else. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with Cooper. I think the as the season will go on, the the time will tell because we have to get a different style of football when we play against teams that are going to be in and around us I think and try and look to dominate I mean you don't sign 30 million pound central midfielders and still play low block football it's can't it can't happen that way it's and and players like Callum Hudson-Odoi and Alanga and, and Gibbs White you kind of want to get on the ball a lot more so we can hurt teams so yeah time will tell I, I'm still happy with Cooper he's, he's he's a man that wears his, his heart on his sleeve so I, I, I'm I'm relatively happy that he's still our manager and, and I'd like him to progress with us. But football's a fickle game and it can change within the space of a few weeks. So we will see. Um, the squad this season is, I think, is really strong, actually. We've got multiple players in, in, in every single position. I think addressing the goalkeeping issue, I mean, we, we left it late by getting Matt Turner in like maybe a two days before the Arsenal game. But actually, it's worked out in a stroke of genius because... As I say this, Crystal Palace played the other night and Dean Anderson went off within the first 15 minutes and Forrest wanted to do a loan with an obligation to buy after 30 appearances, whereas Man United only wanted three appearances, I believe it was. And lo and behold, he's, he's, re he's well, he's, I think he's a different injury this time, but you, you get the picture. It's kind of Weldon Forrest, a pat on the back for doing your due diligence and kind of knowing what the situation is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think the squad's got potential. It's it's going to take time to get a new style of football, like I say, to play against the teams that are going to be in and around us. I think it's going to be very much a tweaks here and there, and it's going to be difficult and more, probably frustrating for a lot of fans. I think you'll see it one week where we'll play someone and maybe win three or four nil or something quite where we win quite comfortably, and then the next week we play someone quite similar or of less uh, quality and we either draw or lose and I think it's going to be a very much up and down season but hopefully a lot more comfortable than last. Players that excite me this season, I think you can't really look past Callum Hudson-Odoi because of the potential he had before he left Chelsea. He was he was linked to Bayern Munich for £70 million at one point so there's definitely a player there. It's unfortunate that he's kind of lost his way a little bit but also thankful for that because he's now at a club where I feel he can really develop there's not going to be huge huge amounts of pressure on him to deliver I think Forest fans will know that he's still young 22 and know his situation so 
we can kind of give him that time to get into things, get into the swing of things, get his form back, get his fitness back. And the player he could definitely be is is right up there. I mean, if he gets to 80 90% of what was attracting him to Bayern Munich then we've got one hell of a player on our hands and it's only going to benefit us and him at the end of the day because we either sell him for big money or he stays and we're successful together so that's exciting another player that probably excites me is is the obvious in in Morgan Gibbs-White a player that likes to get on the half turn in pockets of space and kind of create things another one that will frustrate though many football fans whether you're a neutral or a forest fan to be honest because he can be not indecisive but make wrong decisions in my eyes and maybe not play the simple pass and try and go for the maybe the hollywood ball again a player that's not played a lot of premier league football last season was his first full season in premier league football so it's going to be again a one where it's up and down where one week he's going to do something absolutely brilliant and the next week do something completely terrible so i think this season is is big for him in terms of progression and uh, and people have have got on his back maybe a little bit on on the social media side of things that he's not performing as well as he maybe should be but i think that's the level of performance he showed from last season really that's what it tells you is because he he could do things that were so brilliant so i think i think fans will want that to to progress nicely and then last of all you got to say our our new central defensive midfielder in Ibrahim Sangare coming from PSV trading Champions League football for Trent side football so I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he will bring in terms of his defensive qualities and then what he can do with us trying to control football matches a lot more I think that's the the next step for us it's it's trying to get our foothold in games similar to how Brentford have been over the years because they've always had that consistency of player and, and only adding one or two rather than a million <laughs> so so uh yeah i'm intrigued to see what he will bring and, and and the qualities he can he can bring to the side uh the 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 games against brentford last season i mean the the i said this to bill on our podcast and he obviously laughed is the the first game was very to and fro i mean it was a game without ivan tony so we thought we had a chance and we went in front in that game and then i believe uh Visser, just before half-time, uh, Brentford capitalised on a mistake. The ball got uh, threaded over the top and Visser ran onto it and then got brought down. Whether you, you, It depends which side of the corner you're on, I guess, with that one. A lot of Forest fans and probably a lot of neutrals will say it was a soft penalty and a lot of Brentford fans will say, well, there's contact, so he has to go down and, and, and try and get something. But for me, I think Visser was already going down, but... Yeah, and Buemo slotted the penalty and then Vissa in the second half finished off a really good chance, to be honest. Dink Dean Henderson, I believe it was, in goal. And then right at the depth, we, we scramble in a, a an equaliser. And I think Forest fans on that day would have felt hard done by if we didn't get anything because I do think we was on top in that game in the, fir- in the first half. I think Brentford then controlled it after they equalised and, and obviously then got a second. And then... Forrest through the kitchen sink, rightly so, at the end and, and got a draw. And then the reverse fixture, I thought it was a game where Brentford kind of looked like they was on their holidays and got the flip-flops on. Forrest took a lead in, a, in, a, in an away game again through Danilo. And then, God, last 10 minutes collapsed, wasn't it? I mean, Ivan Tony sticking a free kick in a, through a wall where that jumped out the way. 
and then Josh De Silva putting one at the near post where I thought Kalar Navas could have done better also might have been unsighted so we threw that one away so <laughs> yeah games where both of them where we could have won and we, we snatched victory out of the jaws of of defeat really like or jaws of victory I don't know how you say it nowadays you're probably laughing at this it's just, as I just said that what a load of faff um, I think Brentford are a good football inside really nice on the eye mix things up a lot pacey can be powerful um, a lot of Forest fans don't particularly like Thomas Frank in, in how he speaks about certain things obviously the whole xg stats thing is is always a uh, talk of a topic of choice uh, amongst forest fans when they talk when they talk about brentford i i've, I've always admired you since you come up to the championship under mark warburton to be honest i was thought you were a good football inside like like to play football in in a good way and a and a ran well run team it's just you're very small unfortunately so that kind of brush gets uh thrown at you a lot but yeah I think Brentford are a good side had a mixed start to the season I'd say probably should have beaten Bournemouth not sure about beating Tottenham but a good away win at Fulham and then recently losing away at Newcastle many teams are going to lose away at Newcastle but then the shock result of the season was was the loss to Everton and are Everton improving all of Brentford slipped a little bit obviously Bill mentioned the loss of Rico Henry recently uh, David Ray obviously going to Arsenal and Ivan Tony being suspended and Kevin Sharde now being injured so I can kind of see why it's maybe throwing Brentford off a little bit but the result last night against Arsenal losing 1-0 with a slightly changed team for both sides I think is encouraging and yeah it's going to be an interesting one the players that maybe give me a bit of fear when they get on the ball. I think the obvious is Brian and Buermo. I think a really good, neat player. One of the better right-sided wingers in the league, I'd say. Probably maybe a little bit inconsistent in his finishing, but someone who can definitely score goals if given the opportunity and a, and a danger for Brentford. I like I like Matthias Jensen in, in central midfield. I think he's very under-the-radar player in terms of goes about his business quite well but doesn't really get the plaudits he maybe should get. And they're the two that kind of really stick out to me as players that can hurt most teams in this division. So, yeah, they're the ones who are going to get at me. I mean, if we can stop Matthias Jensen from playing, then we can stop Brentford from hurting Forrest a, a lot more than, than, than most. So, yeah, he's the one to stop for me in, in terms of, of getting something out of this game. Um, and hopefully put it, pushing you back as far as possible, especially without Rico Henry and Aaron Hickey having to change full-back position and Rurslev coming in at right-back. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, the game on Sunday, I expect Forrest to try and get out the traps fairly quickly, try and get pressure on the ball and try and have some sort of control. So I, I think I can see that happening because we're at home. It's on, our, on us to really get at Brentford. Whether we would match you in midfield is, is another question. That's um, a lot of a big, heavy discussion amongst the fan base, actually. Whether do we go 4-2-3-1 or do we go 4-3-3 and, and, and match Brentford and try and out-muscle them in midfield uh, and get a foothold that way. So that would be an interesting battle, I think. It's going to be tight. Um, 
I'm going to go for a 2-1 Forest scoreline though, and hopefully we get the three points and, and can kind of continue our progression. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out uh, Bill's uh, preview with us, it's at Redside Trent. We're at Redside of the Trent on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on YouTube now. Uh, so you can see his lovely face with the G-Tech in the background or New Griffin Park in the background. So check us out there. Uh, we'll welcome Brentford fans in and around Forest pubs, I'm sure, mainly with the West Bridgeford one, I think. If you go go that direction, Hooters obviously, Meadow Lane will have a bar there. So enjoy your trip from West London. Um, I would, as I said to Bill, wish you good luck, but I'd be lying. But uh, enjoy your day out. Cheers. So there you go, the Wicklow, Adam. Met him years ago, a few years ago. Derby Forest match, or Forest Derby match, actually. And he's a couple of seats in front of us, and we had a good old chat, and uh, we've been kept in touch since. So, yeah, thanks for that. That was very, very interesting to hear the views from the Forest fans, who I'd say that, you know, after last season, they're, they're quite optimistic as well. I mean, not in the Forest. Let me just give the lowdown on Forest, okay? What they're good at. They're good in the air. Aerial duels, they're very strong. Also strong at counter-attacking. Also strong at attacking down the wings and stealing the ball from the opposition. But where they're weak is keeping possession of the ball, avoiding offside, defending against long shots, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. And they're very weak at protecting the lead. Does that give you an element of hope, the Allard? Yeah, um, I... Forest also very good at signing players. They sign lots of players, don't they? They're good at that. I'm surprised that wasn't on the list. They must be <laughs> are, they, are they the champions at signing players? They're pretty um, good. They're pretty although, great. Although, of course, the irony this week is that I was thinking, you know what? Their transfer policy isn't... It, it, maybe that makes quite makes more sense than I thought it did as we start to run out of players. Um, yeah. and, I, and I did think, you know, maybe we should have had a sort of free-for-all Forest signing sort of transfer policy. Um, I think that... I've seen them play a couple of times this season. They look um, look a half-decent side this season. Last season, I thought they were a bit of a mess. Um, I thought Cooper did really, really brilliantly to bring a lot of sort of, you know, different players, different types of players, bring them together um, and, um, and, and, and keep them up. I thought it was a really, really good job. And I know we can all... I, I, I know how a lot of us feel about Cooper, or a lot of people feel about Cooper, but I think you have to, you know, say he's a really good coach. And, um, and worryingly this season, they look as if um, they're closer to a first eleven maybe than they were at times last season. And yeah, I, 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 I think they're going to be a, a, a really big challenge on Sunday. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we've had a few good games against them, haven't we? And, yeah. um, you know, I think it's going to be yeah, a big challenge on Sunday. I think that most, some of their new signings look like they're working already. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It's just I was just looking through the list to see if there's anybody that was there that I'd forgotten, you know, because like, that's where players go and you forget they've gone. Like John Joe Shelby, he was there, wasn't he, at some point last season? <laughs> you know, um, Chris Woods there, isn't he? You know, yeah. um, it's, it does. Yeah, but yeah. So they look a decent side this year. Yeah, you know, and, and again, that's what I said on their pod. You know, it's it's, it's a case of uh, making not just not taking small steps, but I think some people come up for the championship and they think, yeah, we're going to take the place by storm, but it's not doing it like that. It's you know, it's 
bit of survival first of all and then just being a little bit clever about how you go about doing your business and I think Forest towards the back end of last season they started to realise that I think they they, they they come in I think last season I mean one of the one of their the Forest fan TV um, again, he predicted I think he predicted Forest to come sixth I think it was like you know what I'm saying last season and we're not laughing because listen we all put in predictions you know but the first season in the in in, in in the league saying that from Forest Fan TV said I think we're going to come sixth and we were like whoa okay that's fair enough it's good that you're optimistic about your team but boy I'm not quite sure you you understand how difficult this Premier League is like you know but I think they've kind of got a little bit more of the measure now so uh, they're going to actually kind of see you know how it goes Ali I'm just looking I mean Forest style of play they like to take long shots they like the long ball. They like attacking down the right-hand side, which is down our left as well. You know, they're aggressive. They retake the first 11. They play in their own half. And uh, normally their opponents play aggressively against them. After Wednesday, and I keep saying this about after Wednesday against Arsenal, do you hold out a little bit more hope? Because I remember on Saturday, I mean, I had people they were moaning on about, you know, going to watch the Ryder Cup instead of watching the Forest match and all sorts of nonsense, like I'm saying. Like, that's not going to happen now, is it? No, I mean, I, I was all, I love the Ryder Cup, but I was always still going to go and watch Brett go to Forest. Um, I, I must admit, on Saturday, after that game on Saturday, I, I was just sort of like, well, I'm so looking forward to watching us getting annihilated at Forest on Sunday. I must admit, I do feel a lot less like that. But um, yeah, I think, I think I agree with everything Matt said, actually. I think it's a big challenge. I think they've started the season well. Um, I think Alanga looks like he's been a good buy for them. Uh, Gibbs White still looks good. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the what they're good at in terms of aerial duels because I don't think our centre halves have been covering themselves in glory at the back. Uh, so just, that, and this is just, just sorry to interrupt you. Just talk about this because we're talking about there's quite a lot of talk about Nathan Collins. Mm. And we're not digging him out, but we're just talking about football here as well. Now, one of the things about Nathan Collins is we thought that he's going to be coming to um, Pontus had left. You know, and as we know, you know, Pontus hits a, heads a brick with his head. You know what I'm saying? So he thought, oh, Nathan's going to come in and he's going to head three bricks with his head, like you know, as well. But also, he's going to be able to add some aerial, um, you know, height and also kind of, you know, bring his aerial thing to actually attacking and actually kind of, you know, when when we're, when we're actually going up front and attacking as well. So we're thinking that's going to happen. But there's been a few question marks about his ability. So actually, and I would say his ability to head the ball was ever, he's a really nice bloke. I've met him, you know what I'm saying? But at the moment now, he is not as prominent his aerial ability as we thought it would be, is it? No, it's not. But I mean, not, I, I'm not convinced that the club bought him for the same reasons that we think we bought him. I think the club bought him because we needed a, a centre half who was going to bring the ball out, who, who was a good forward passing centre half who could pass the ball well um, it's sort of like almost in the style of a, a John Stones and, and and I think quite often with that sort of centre half you do get the the defensive errors creep in a little bit and I think if you know I think we bought him with the thought okay we've got Pinnock we've got me who are you know are the ones who are going to be winning the aerial Jews who are the ones going to be doing the defending I mean you look at that block that he did didn't do for their goal last night although yeah. Zanka was more at fault for that goal. You look at that and think, that's Ben May. He probably almost certainly blocks that. Um, that's not why he was bought. And I think the problem is more at the moment is that we were expecting me to be playing and doing all this, winning the ball, doing all the defensive legwork, uh, whilst, you know, Collins was doing what we've brought him to do, which is progress the play forward and pass the ball out. So I don't think we can now start complaining, oh, look, you're not doing something that 
we didn't actually buy you to do. So, um, and I also think that you know, we're still at that point where the understanding between him and Pinnock isn't quite right. It's not quite there. I don't think Pinnock is on the top of his floor form at the moment. Um, and hopefully that will come. And he was certainly looked more back to his normal self last night. So I, I think, you know, there's Nathan Collins is a work in progress. And I, I think in a season or two's time, it'll be go, wow, this is some player we've got here. And uh, I, I think we've got to look at what he does well and praise, you know, and say, well, he does this fantastically well, progressing the play, passing the ball out. Um, and, you know, but there's stuff for him to work on. And I think once me is back, I think uh, it will be less of an issue. Yeah, Lars. Yeah, I think I think Collins. I think Ali's absolutely right. Collins was brought in um, to play progressively, and I suspect he was brought in to play progressively in a three mm. um, this season. And I think that in all the games we played four three three, if me had been fit, it'd been me and Pinnock, and Collins wouldn't have played. Um, but he's been he's been thrown into that. And um, and Ali's absolutely right about John Stones. If you didn't like John Stones playing for England five years ago, you won't like Nathan Collins in the next few months. I can guarantee it. <laughs> Simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Sherlock. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think we've I think we've covered Nathan Collins. The only thing that I'd say actually on top of that is obviously his understanding, like Ali mentioned, with Ethan. But let's not forget that Flecken's new as well. So we've had the two changes back and they're getting used to each other and I know everyone loves a pile on all flicking it's so easy to dig out a goalkeeper but the dude is new and and he is adjusting to a new team and to a new environment and to a new understanding with his centre-backs and that takes time so we have to like we said about Nathan we've got to look at what they do well and then and give them a bit of time to work on what they might not do as well um, as far as Forrest goes I'd like to see Malpay start I think it's a game that probably needs a little bit of needle, a little bit of aggro. Um, Malpay's great at that. So I'd like to see Malpay start over with over Visser. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, actually. I think also Malpay to start because of his ability to hold the ball up up top. I think he, he's really good with his back to goal, holding the ball up. And Visser has many, many strengths, but that is not one of one of his stronger points. And I think I think you start with Malpay and then you bring Visser on to score the, the winning goal in the 89th minute. The yeah, Lord. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we go four-three-three because historically, in recent times, that's what we've done against teams. Oh, did I say teams like Forest? I didn't mean Ooh, it like that. No, I mean, don't. Against no, against teams that aren't in the aren't the top six or or whatever is that we often play four-three-three against them away or home or away. So I, I think we could see Wiesa, Malpe, and Mbumo start. It wouldn't surprise me particularly as a front three. Um, that might work. I think, KLP, I think you're right. KLP, KLP on the bench then in that case. But, but mm. you know, I, I'm just saying what I think might happen. Um, and I think what you'll find is, is that my suspicion is, is if we're going to use Mopay, it won't be so much that he'll play at the top because I, you, you're not going to be able to hit long balls, high balls into him. You're going to have to play him into his feet. I, I, I think I wouldn't be overly surprised if the wingers get beyond him and he drops in and plays short, they play shorter passes to his feet for him to lay off um, or to fall over when he gets tackled from behind. That, that, I, I think that's more how we'll probably use him um, because he can hold the ball up. You're absolutely right. I, what he doesn't do is, is win that nod on header for somebody to run past him like Tony. Mm. He's, he's, he's quite different, isn't he? But neither, neither, neither does Wissers, though. 
No, 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 I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, this isn't a defense of Witzer or saying Witzer should play instead of Mopé. No, no, no. Yeah, mm. it's just... I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I'm not sure how Mopé is going to work when you play 3-5-2. I, I'm, I'm less convinced about how we'll work in that than I think he will in a 4-3-3. Yeah, OK. So, I mean, Sherlock, I mean, we've got big game at the weekend. Um, I was going to talk about the big game at the weekend because, you know, there's loads of Brentford fans going down there. Oh, no, hold on a second. All right, there's a load of tickets being found underneath the sofa somewhere, apparently. Um, a lot of confusion going on about that because, like, you know, about a month, nearly a month ago, the ticket sales were closed. We're finished. Like, you know, not the forest has sold out. You couldn't get another ticket. We had a lot of the people that we know, they were, like, basically swapping tickets between each other, you know, because one person couldn't go, next person couldn't go, because that's the only way to get hold of a ticket. And then there we go, like, not 48 hours before the match or something like that. You know, we found out we sent a few tickets back up to Nottingham because, uh, yeah, because there's a tickets we sold back and then, then then there's a rumour going around that there's been 800 tickets. Now, how in the hell could we send back 800 tickets back to Nottingham Forest when it's been sold out for a month? I mean, I don't... This is not um, definite, right? This has not been confirmed, this 800. This has come through various different sources and it seems a bit ridiculous because, like, we don't, you know, we don't not sell 800 tickets, especially for a, a, a Saturday or a Sunday match. It just doesn't happen. So uh, what do you think has gone on there, Ali? Because you, you, you're a bit confused by it all, aren't you? I, I've, abs I've absolutely no idea what's gone on there, Bill, to be honest. Um, it, it all seems very strange. I mean, you can say that, you know, the club has penalty, you know, for, you know, has to pay for the full lot up front. And if it's another opening, another block, and I didn't think they were going to sell them, sort of like fine if it's like a week before the game or even two weeks before the game but a month before the game to come out and say we've sold out and then to hand back 800 tickets the if allocations it, if, yeah, that is if, the it, case. if it's true if it's true the allocation is 2900 and we've handed back 800 tickets that we seemingly never put on sale um if if if, if this rumor is i mean we certainly handed back some tickets whether or not it's 800, we're not sure whether or not that figure is correct. But if that figure is correct, it's it does sound like there's been some and, you know, I think some sort of fluff gone on there. But yeah, fluff, what, yeah. whether it, whether it's a an IT fluff, yeah. um, whether it's a Ticketmaster system, possibly whether or not somebody entered the wrong number of tickets into the system. Or they found some tickets underneath the sofa. Or, or five percent tickets underneath the sofa. I don't know. But it does from the outside and with the numbers that are being bandied about seem like a fluff but obviously we have to reserve judgment because we, until we actually know what or, or if we ever know what the actual numbers were and what actually happened yeah not yeah i mean i think you're right maybe there is a maybe somebody said when they fill in this form you know before they put it on sale how many tickets 2100 um but actually we had 2900 yeah <laughs> um, i mean it could be as simple as that couldn't it yeah, it could yeah, be as simple yeah. as that who know and then and then um sold out sold out and then somebody goes on the, on you know Tuesday. What's we, all this? Well, hang, hang on, how many tickets? <laughs> they said it's two thousand or or Forest sort of send the little you know the maybe they you know maybe the bill, the bill. Us, maybe they invoiced us for two thousand nine hundred. Two thousand nine hundred. We've only sold two thousand one hundred. I mean, I, the, the other thing is is you know there's a train strike on, but it's not on the day. Um, have have loads of tickets been sent back? Can you send tickets back? I'm not really sure how that works. You that can. Southampton game was a bit weird, wasn't it? Do you remember where they moved? 
quite a lot of us to yeah, around yeah, what yeah. Southampton's is. Are there emails coming out tomorrow to say you have to go to the box office? Oh God, don't at, me in the wheelchair. At, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> I go straight new, to the front of the queue. You allocated tickets um, before the game, and you think, oh shit, that's forty-five minutes less time in the in, in what's going to be a very short time in the pub anyway. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, so Sherlock, listen, I'm going to say, you know, I was asking you. Okay, so tickets, yes, have been sold. Going down to Forest. Um, to be fair, great ground, great city, great boozers, great atmosphere. Um, so we're going to have it. We're going to be up against it tomorrow. You know, the Forest fans are always potty for it. The Forza Garibaldi are actually doing their annual boat trip. So they're basically getting some boats from Forest to Forest, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can work that one out. So they're going to Nottingham Forest by boat. Um, so, so, so. I think just go around the lake. I've got no hope. It's <laughs> They go around the cricket ground to come back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so uh, so they'll be doing that. So they're going to be, I think they're going to be quite jovial tomorrow. So I think we need to be on our guard. So even if there are 800 less than there should be for us, those 800 less fans, bees fans, need to be quite potty for it. I'm going to ask you, what are you thinking on Sunday? Give us a score prediction. Um, They are, as, as, as improved as they are and as... Um, sort of not on our game as we are. They're only a point ahead of us, and I can go for a very tight two-one to us, obviously. Oh, okay. Obviously, right. Ali Malali. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, um, but I am going to go for an unexpected clean sheet um, and one-nil. Whistler off the bench in the 89th minute. No. The Allards. Um got our work cut out i'm allowed to say that aren't i am i allowed to say that yeah. yeah i'm allowed to say that i think we've got our work cut out um and i think we might i think yeah i i forest two one no oh. i'm allowed to say you're that you're probably the only one who's right you're probably the only one who's right yeah i sort of feel like the everton game i sort of yeah i feel like i got a bit bitten um, yeah. for that because I did think that was going to be a problematic game and then I went 2-0 Brentford and I'm mm. sort of thinking this is going to be another problematic game and yeah I, I yeah 2-1 and we play quite well yeah. and I'm going to go for I was on the red side of Trent with uh, the Wicklow and uh, I've got to go for the same prediction as I went with him as well and I went Brentford 5 Forest 5 as well I've got 5 all you know, so it's going to absolutely bonkers game it's going to be like you know all over the place like, you know, and we'll so... still be last on match of the day <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Of course, you know that as well. So listen, <laughs> this has been great. Listen, good to catch up with all of you lot in the virtual joint. I will see you, well, most of you, on Sunday up in Nottingham. I'm quite potty for it. My first away game of the season after my long extended holiday. So I'm going up there with my daughter. Uh, I'm going to go out there, go and see my Boris chums as well. Some of them are going to be sort of rolling themselves off the boat. And others are saying, we're not going on the boat, so they'll meet us in the bar. So I might see you down in the navigation as well, before the match or after the match as well, which is all good. So listen, I said to him, I know Billy Grant in the house, and we got the Sherlock. And the bees. And we got Ali Manelli. You reds. The Allards. Corey bees, you bees, you bees. Well, it's Billy the bee, don't forget to... Don't forget to subscribe to us and also buy us a beer, besorted.com forward slash beer. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure you write us a review. Please make sure you check out the podcast after the match on Sunday, straight after the game as well. And check us out next week when we have our next podcast. But thanks very much for listening. As you say, we're going to forest, we're going to down the river, the River Trent and Mercy and all that kind of stuff. What do they say? Come on. We're going to win 2-1, actually. Down the Trent. I think that's what's called hedging your bets, Matt. <laughs> <laughs>
paydays are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.